Shalom. What we're going to do in this study is to complete the Gospel of Mark. Now, several years ago, I completed chapters 1 through the first eight verses of chapter 16. And many people pointed out that there are additional verses, verses 9 through 20. Many scholars believe that these verses were added later on, perhaps by the church fathers. And when we look at these verses, we see that they're a summary. But the important thing that we need to focus on is this. When we look at Mark's gospel and chapter 16, we see that this chapter is dedicated to the resurrection, a very important event. In fact, from the position of faith, it is the most important event of all human history. We need to remember what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which was this. If Messiah be not risen from the dead, then our faith is in vain. Well, Messiah did rise from the dead. In fact, more specifically, the scripture tells us in many places that it was God the Father who raised him from the dead. And the fact that God raised his son from the dead speaks to us an important truth. The resurrection speaks to the fact that God the Father received Messiah's offering. What type of offering? We know something. We know that he died on Passover. Passover is the festival of redemption. So the fact that God the Father raised from the dead, God the Son, Messiah Yeshua, it signals to us, it is a confirmation that Messiah's offering for redemption was received by God and we'll see some other indicators of that in our study today. So with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 16. Now we left off in the fact that various women came to the tomb on that first day of the week very early. There were different groups, they came at different times and they saw different things but one thing that they all saw an empty tomb we know that there was some angels there two specifically and the angels instructed these women to go and proclaim the fact that messiah had indeed been raised from the dead what do we know some women did this but others as we see in mark's gospel there were those who were paralyzed by fear and they did not in our scripture today we're going to find that there was other people who also proclaimed the resurrection and we're going to see some interesting responses from the disciples so look with me to that passage the gospel of mark chapter 16 and verse 9 where it says but having raised early on the first day of the week. So Messiah had risen from the dead very early on the first day of the week. And it says that he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Now that fact is also supported in the Gospel of John. We know that when Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, it was still dark. 
Now, the first day of the week begins from many people's vantage point. We would say Saturday night because with darkness at the end of the day begins on the biblical calendar, the new day. So when Saturday, what we would call Shabbat, when the sun set and it became dark, Shabbat was over. It was the first day of the week. And we know something. Before there was any light whatsoever, Messiah, he had been risen from the dead. And he was alive. And we find here that he appeared first, very early on the first day of the week, to Mary Magdalene. And notice what it says about this. From whom he had cast out seven demons. Now, this is important because this word for casting out is in a very unusual construction. It is the pluperfect which shows remoteness. And the purpose of this is to show something. How different, how far apart the purpose of demons are from the purpose of Messiah. It shows his absolute authority over all things. That demonic influence is not able to in any way overcome his will. So it shows his authority to defeat evil. So it's emphasized from whom he had cast out seven demons. And she, still speaking about Mary Magdalene, she went, and it says here, she proclaimed to the ones who had been with him. Speaking about the disciples. She went and was not paralyzed like we see other women who were silent. She went and proclaimed the fact that she had saw him. And notice what the scripture says here concerning these other disciples. What they were doing, it says, they were mourning and weeping. They did not believe what Messiah said. Now, he had told many times the disciples that he was going up to Jerusalem for Passover. Now, we know something. We know that Messiah died upon that cross on Passover. That's very significant because Passover is the festival of redemption. So his death purchased for us who believed eternal redemption. Remember, if the blood of, of goats and lambs can have an effect, how much more so the very blood of our Lord and Savior, Messiah Yeshua. Not just a temporal redemption, but eternal redemption. We might say it this way, a kingdom redemption. So looking at this text, we see that she went and she proclaimed to those who had been with him who were at that time still mourning and weeping. Look now to the next verse, verse 11. These having heard, what did they hear? They heard that he is alive and that she saw him, that he appeared unto her. She was, he was seen by her. But notice the end of that verse. They did not believe. How tragic. Now, let me just simply say this. When one does not believe in the resurrection of Messiah, it is tragic because that person has no hope. 
that person is going to experience not God's blessing, but God's condemnation. We'll see this in a moment. But let me say one thing about Passover. Passover is synonymous with death. Now, you say it's the festival of redemption. That is true. But Passover is also synonymous with death. Why? Well, think about the first Passover in Egypt. Every household experienced death. Every household. The question is this. What type of death? Each family had a choice. If they obeyed God and they sacrificed that Passover lamb, dealing with the blood properly, then the only death that house experienced was the death of the lamb. And through that death of the lamb, the firstborn would remain alive. But if they did not sacrifice the Passover offering, what would happen? Then the firstborn, both of the family and of their livestock, would die. So when you reject God's provision, you are going to experience death. The sad fact is that it's going to be eternal death. So here's the choice. You can either have eternal life or eternal death. Nothing in the middle. So these disciples, they did not believe. Move on to verse 12 where it says, But after these things, and we see here a conjunction of discontinuity, we're moving on to a different but related aspect in this narrative. But after these things, two from them, meaning two from the disciples, were walking. Now, this is in the presence. They were walking at that time. And what happened? It says here that he appeared in a different form as they were going into, and many Bibles will say into the country. It simply means into a countryside, into a different location. So he appeared to them in a different form. Look now to verse 13. And these went away and proclaimed to the rest, meaning the other disciples. But again, look at the end of verse 13. What was their response? But these they did not believe. So these remaining disciples, these other disciples, they too did not believe that he had been raised from the dead. And again, what we see here in Mark's gospel is how frequent it is that people do not accept the testimony that he came that to conquer death, to overcome sin, and to give us life. But again, the only way to receive that is by faith. Faith, not just that he died upon the cross and died for your sin and mine, but also that he was raised from the dead. What do we see in Paul's writing in the book of Romans in chapter 10? A very important biblical truth where it says that you need to confess him. Believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. Not only that he died for your sins and mine, for the sins of humanity, but also on the third day that he had been raised from the dead. That's what we need to believe. And these did not. 
Now look at verse 14. Here it says, And afterwards, meaning a later time, these were reclining. Now that means that they were, were enjoying a meal. And it says here, to the leaven, these eleven primary disciples, once more he appeared. And he rebuked them. Why? He rebuked them because of their lack of faith, meaning they would not believe. And also, notice this next part, because of the hardness of their hearts. Let's not have a hard heart. Let's accept the truth of God's revelation. When we do that, we will find not his rebuke or his judgment, but we will find him well pleased with us. Having faith always brings about God's pleasure and God's workmanship in our life. But these he rebuked because of their unbelief and the hardness of their hearts because those saw him and they saw him how? Having been raised, very important, in the passive. There were those who saw him, recognized him, understood what had happened, that he had been raised from the dead. But once more, what was the problem? They told the truth, but there were those who did not believe. Verse 15, and he said unto them, now these would be the ones who did believe, those who are going to act in faith. He gives a commandment. Now we know in the gospels, there's what's known as that great commission. And this is what we see now in Mark's gospel, beginning in verse 15, when he says here, go into the world. And then we have the next word, all. Now, there's different understandings of how to perceive the meaning of this word all. Is it all places, perhaps? Is it to proclaim throughout the world all the things that he did? So it simply says here, if we read it carefully, go, and it can mean after going, understanding that we would want to obey him after going into the world all, perhaps all this truth, you are to proclaim the gospel to all creation. Meaning this, the gospel is to set creation in order. It is the only message, the only revelation from God for creation to bring about a change. What type of change? A change of restoration. Now that word gospel means good news, but not just any good news, specifically good news about the resurrection, good news about eternal redemption. And of course, there's a relationship between those two things. It's only because of the resurrection. This is what's being emphasized here. Only because of Messiah's resurrection that there can be redemption. And redemption is God's only solution to put things back in his order, that his will can be experienced. Now look at verse 16. Verse 16 is a very important verse that teaches us a theological truth. Now, it speaks about something which is normative. What's normative? It says here, look at verse 16. The one who has believed and has been baptized will be saved. That's normal. One believes the gospel and then they testify to the gospel. 
And it says here, such a person will be saved. But notice how this verse concludes. It says, but the one who does not believe, even if he should be baptized, if one does not believe, he shall be condemned. What do we know about this? Because of how this verse is written, it tells us that baptism is not necessary for salvation. Should one who believes be baptized? Absolutely. That is the normative thing to do. This is the order. You believe and are baptized. But it's only those who do not believe that they will experience a very important word. They will experience condemnation. And that condemnation relates to the wrath of God. Verse 17. But these signs to the ones believing, they will accompany, literally, they will follow after. So to those who are believing, there is going to be signs that follow after them. And what is that? It says, in the name of mine, in my name, demons they will cast out. And new tongues they shall speak, meaning new languages. And these new languages, this word new, is very important in the scripture. This word new relates to the kingdom of God. So they are going to speak, how? According to the kingdom. Now, we can talk about, and we have in other studies, the significance of these tongues and how they relate to the working of the Holy Spirit, how they confirm oftentimes biblically the, the in, indwelling of the Holy Spirit within someone. But here it says, in my name, demons they will cast out, and new tongues they shall speak, verse 18, and serpents they will take up. And here, this taking up shows to take up for the purpose of defeat, for destruction, and any deadly thing that they should drink. No, no, that's literally what it says. It shall not harm them. So there's a double negative which in Greek does not negate it as it does in some languages, but in Greek a double negative emphasizes the reality. So here it says, if they should drink any deadly thing, no, no, meaning it will not harm these individuals. And then it says, upon the sick, what will they do? Hands they will set. So they will lay hands upon the sick and, speaking about those who are sick, they will have, and this next word is related to the Greek word for good. And the word good in the Bible, whether it's the Hebrew word or the Greek word, that word Greek, biblically speaking, always relates to the will of God, the purpose of God. So God wants to bring about healing for a purpose in order that one can walk according to his will. For example, in the scriptures, we see that there was a woman who had an issue of blood having a devastating effect upon her life. But she, through faith, said, if only I can grab the titsit. Now, some Bibles will say the hem of his garment, but it's literally the quarter of his garment. And what's there? That titsit, which relates to the commandments of God. 
One takes hold of that, that specific tassel that because it relates to the commandments of God. What she was saying is this, God, I want to be healed so I can obey you. I want to be someone that submits to your instructions, your words, your commandments. And what it says here is that those are going to recover. Why? In order that they have goodness, meaning they have the will of God in their life. Look now to verse 19. Therefore, the Lord says, after speaking to them, what happened? He was taken up into heaven. And where exactly in heaven? Very specifically. And he set upon the right hand of God, meaning that place of preference, that place of authority. And notice something else, what it says. And therefore, he set upon the right hand of God. And then finally it says, but these, they went out, referring to the disciples. They went out and they proclaimed in all places. And the Lord was working with them. And with the word, it was being confirmed. So God was working with these, confirming his word. And it says, and, and to them, signs were following after meaning signs confirming the truth of these things the truth that he had been raised from the dead the truth of the power of the gospel the truth concerning this kingdom life that now we have these signs accompanied them followed after them confirming the truth of this word and then finally it concludes with the word amen now I realize that there are some manuscripts that give further explanation, but, but nearly all the scholars also agree that these are additional words, not in, in the original text. So I'm going to conclude that this time I'm using the Texas Receptus and these additional things in verse 20 it does not have. So I wanted to take time because many of you have asked about these verses and to give an explanation of them. So this is what has been done. I hope it's a blessing to you. Until our next time together, may God bless you. Shalom. And right now, instead of being in Israel, I have the privilege of being in Ireland. So shalom from Ireland.